Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Urbanowitz, your host for this Throwback FDNY podcast. Each show has three segments going back in time about the FDNY and its history. You can listen to all of the past episodes by going to the website of the New York City Fire Museum at nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny and choosing the digital platform you use for listening to podcasts. Now, let's start this month's show. In this episode of Throwback FDNY, in 1741, a series of fires raised panic in the small colony of New York. In 1863, the Colored Orphans Asylum is burned during the Civil War riots in New York. And an 1885 book tells us about some black members of the FDNY. In 1741, the settled area of the city was all below today's Chambers Street. The population of the city was a mere 10,000 or so compared to today's 8 million. The first two fire engines arrived just 10 years before, and the first firefighters were appointed a mere four years prior. The overseer of fire engines was gunsmith Jacob Turk, the creator of the first firefighter's helmet. The plan to establish a means of extinguishing fires became more and more important as the city grew, since the early buildings were mostly constructed of wood with thatched roofs and an open fireplace indoors for heating and cooking. On March 18th, there was a fire in the house of George Clark, the lieutenant governor of the British colony, which was located within Fort George at the southern tip of Manhattan. The fire spread to the wood roof of the neighboring stone church. The following week, there was another fire, which was quickly extinguished and raised no suspicion. One week later, another, this time in a warehouse. Three days later, a fire in a cow stable was spotted and extinguished by a person walking by. The next day, another witness observed some hot coals near hay in another stable, and this too was put out. Were all of these fires related? Might they have been the work of one or more arsonists? At the time, there were only three fire companies, all hand pumpers and no ladder companies. Their apparatus were fed by the traditional bucket brigades, passing pails of water from person to person from the closest source of water to the engine. While we look back on that as being so primitive, it was actually possible to extinguish some blazes rather quickly. On April 6th, a week following the last stable fire, four fires broke out, and after one, a black man was seen running away and was accused of setting it. Now the paranoia kicked in, supporting a long-standing fear that a slave revolt had been in the works. It wasn't just the enslaved people that were feared. It was conjectured to be a large number of New Yorkers who were subjugated by the well-to-do. Accounts of these incidents did not mention more fires after those of April 6th. So from the firefighters' perspective, the crisis may have passed. But for the city as a whole, Pandemonium was in full force. Over 100 people were arrested, both black and white. A trial began at City Hall on April 21st. The end result was the determination that a plot had been planned by a group of slaves and working-class whites to disrupt the accepted norms of the city and to call attention to their inhumane conditions. Instead, harsher laws were enacted in the British colony in attempts to discourage future revolts. And of those allegedly involved in the plot, 141 were convicted, many of which were hanged, burned at the stake, deported, 
or banned from the city. The historic record shows the trials to be unfair. Many historians have likened them to the heinous Salem witch trials. Today, this sad episode in New York history goes by many names, including the Conspiracy of 1741. While it would be easy to put the blame for this series of events on the British occupiers of the era, it is nevertheless part of New York City's history. This was a time of unrest in New York City in which fire played a role. Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Brown, the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. Thank you for listening to our throwback FDNY podcast. We invite you to become a member of our wonderful cultural institution in Lower Manhattan. We preserve the history of the fire department in New York City, educate the public on fire and life safety, and celebrate the wonderful traditions of the FDNY. To learn more about our membership program and the perks it offers, go to nycfiremuseum.org. With the war between North and South raging, the federal government enacted a lottery system to draft men into the Union Army. The law made it possible for those chosen to hire a substitute. With lower and working class men unable to avoid service, their reaction was to protest. That protest began at the Provost Marshal's office at East 43rd Street and 3rd Avenue, where the lottery was being drawn. From there, the protest turned into a riot growing from 500 to a mob of over 1,000. It has long been conjectured that New York firefighters may have played a role in the riot, not only allowing buildings to burn, but also to loot them while they did. The 2002 movie, Gangs of New York, portrayed this in a graphic way. But Professor Glenn Corbett, a respected and accomplished fire historian, has researched that theory extensively and has unquestionably disproved it. One of the buildings set ablaze was the Colored Orphans Asylum on Fifth Avenue between 42nd and 43rd Streets. Many targets of the riots were black individuals who were not included in the draft because they were not given citizenship. Approximately 233 children resided in the facility at the time, and the rioters showed no mercy to the youngsters. Fortunately, all of them were able to escape unharmed. Chief John Decker was unsuccessful when confronting the mob looting the asylum. He arrived shortly after the orphanage was set on fire. Decker and his men made several attempts to break through the rioters to fight the flames. The rioters far outnumbered the firefighters and turned them back. A second attempt was made to gain entry in three different parts of the building simultaneously, which succeeded in confusing the rioters. The mob became angered at Decker for his repeated attempts to interfere and threatened his life if he tried to put out the fire. With this, Decker went up to the steps of the building and spoke to the rioters, saying, quote, It would be disgraceful to humanity and to the city of New York to destroy a building whose only purpose was benevolence and which had for its object nothing but good. End quote. Historic events such as the draft riots are often a paradox of malevolence and bravery. Hi, it's Jennifer Brown again. This March, the museum will open a special exhibition, Colonial Firefighting and the American Revolution. 
The exhibition celebrates the untold story of a group of volunteers, the Colonial FDNY, that stood between New York and disaster during years of rampant arson, wars for North America, and the American Revolution. Multimedia, video animations, and 3D models will illustrate the major events of the colonial era, including a breathtaking video animation of the devastating fire in 1776 that destroyed 500 buildings, including homes, churches, schools, stores, and factories. The museum will also host a private viewing and special panel discussion on the Great Fire of 1776, how it started, how it was fought, and who was to blame for the devastation and suffering it caused. This event will feature an esteemed moderator and a panel of experts who will deep dive into this historical incident and response, including our very own Throwback FDNY podcast host, Gary Urbanowitz. For more information and to register for the event, please go to the event page of the museum website at nycfiremuseum.org. Those of us who study FDNY history have several resources from the 19th century that give us contemporary information about the department and the city. Their authors give us information that, in many cases, they themselves were witness to. One of those books, written in 1885, is entitled Reminiscences of the Old Fire Laddies and the Volunteer Fire Departments of New York and Brooklyn. This book gives us some interesting information not mentioned elsewhere. It has a section called Colored Volunteers. It gives us the names of five black individuals and tells us of their role in the FDNY during the pre-1865 volunteer era. First, let's honor them by remembering their names. They are William J. Liggins, Clinton Hose 17, John Wilson, Fulton Engine 21, Joseph Titus, Warren Hose 33, John Arnott, Clinton Engine 41, and William Duffy, Fashion Engine 25. The text goes on to suggest that their role in each of their companies was a vital one, the maintenance of the apparatus. It further states that almost every engine company had someone that carried that important responsibility. Since this was during the volunteer era, the individuals would have had other employment, I was able to find some information on two of these individuals. Mr. Liggins was born in Richmond, Virginia in 1836, coming to New York in 1842. Mr. Titus was born in Manhattan in 1830. Both William Liggins and Joseph Titus were coachmen. That would have suited them perfectly for their knowledge of maintaining vehicles of the day. The following note is provided regarding John Arnott. Quote, as a fireman, he was very efficient and was universally known throughout the city, end quote. During the volunteer era, the number of members allowed in a company was specified by the common or city council. It is unlikely that these black men were afforded such a privilege, but they are acknowledged for their important, if unsung, role in this community effort that was the fire department of the city of New York. And now it's time for our throwback FDNY trivia segment. In each new episode of our podcast, we like to test your knowledge of the department by asking a question about a fact from our previous show. Here's this month's. What was the name of the chief of department 
who had to wait three years before he received his full authority of the position. The answer can be found in our last episode. And remember, you can listen to that and all of our previous episodes by going to nycfiremuseum.org slash throwbackfdny. The Throwback FDNY podcast is brought to you by the New York City Fire Museum with help from the FDNY and the FDNY Foundation, the official philanthropic organization of the department. I'm Gary Urbanowitz. I'll leave you with this important reminder. If you leave a building during a fire, close all doors as you exit. This will help contain the fire. If doors are left open, the flames can spread and smoke can travel very quickly putting people at risk. We could all do our part to be a partner with the fire department by promoting fire safety. Until next time, thank you and stay safe.